The Valley of Decision, Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I want to read it one more time. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. We've been touching on the power of the socket and being plugged into God and the importance of your choice when you are in the kingdom of God. I want us to put up that picture for me one more time, if you can, and begin to understand the importance of this moment. People are making decisions for their lives. And um, give me the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter, is it 30 verse 19? Glory be to God. Deuteronomy 30, 19. It says, I call heaven and earth. Thank you, Jesus. I call heaven and earth as witnesses to you today, a witness today against you. I call heaven and earth as witnesses to today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. The power of decisions. We're dealing with being plugged into the kingdom of God and your choice to come to God and that he can save you and help you. But the power of every single day and his decision rests in your hands. The thing about decisions and the power of decisions is not so much that this is my power to do that, that God has given me. That's a wonderful thing because it puts you in charge if you made a good decision. But if you made a poor decision, there are consequences for it. So people in prisons are not serving prison sentences. They're serving poor decisions because there are consequences. And so the power of what we're living under, um, our governments are making decisions every single day. Uh, families are making decisions for their destinies every single day. Job decisions to, to jab or not to jab. Those are decisions. I want to teach on that on Wednesday and how to make a God decision. I want to teach on that on Wednesday. But you must understand the power of a decision is it rests with you, but that is not... You're in charge of the power of the decision, but you're not in charge of its consequences. You can't control what the consequence of your decision would be. So he says, anybody, he says, I, I'm asking you to choose life because your decisions affects people. It affects the next generation that you and your descendants may live. So every decision you make is deciding the destiny of someone else. It's not personal. This is my life. I can do whatever I want to do. No, no. There are people impacted because of your decision. You choose a divorce, your children will live under that. You choose to go with God, the people 
Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His descendants will be mighty upon the earth. It's decisions. Because decisions decide destiny. And many people are in the valley of decision. And we need to make sure that we bring the kingdom and its understanding of what it means for you and your life and your destiny. Don't be in a hurry to make a decision. Pray over it. Let's deal with that this morning. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. If you can put up the, the socket and that picture, please. That'll be great. We understood there are four key things when you come into the kingdom of God. And you're getting plugged in and switched on. Number one is that there is the connection. Anybody remember? One is connection. You're connected to God, your father. He gives you a family to be connected to. Number two is what? Meaning. That means why are we doing what we're doing? Dads, moms, anybody making decisions. You need to ask the question, why? You didn't get saved and God removed your brain. You need to ask the questions, why? Because people's lives are impacted. I mean, we really don't know the impact of a vaccination, right? Five years from now, ten years from now, we don't know. There are consequences for that. Would it produce life? We don't know. Would it produce death? There's places where it is. The question about that is, is that, are you okay to live with the consequence of your decision? It's not that I want to get, go my way. It's that I must study the consequences. So the way I deal with life and God in the kingdom is number one is that I weigh up two things. I'm standing, I'm connected to God. I then look to the right and I say, this is the meaning for life. My value system, the word, the purpose for my life. I then stand with the power of the button to press and say, I'm making a decision for my life. I know that the consequence of this thing is it's going to affect my children. It's going to affect my, my physical health. It's going to affect whatever that is. You know, to start a business, not to start a business. You pay a price any which way. You must ask which price are you willing to pay. The, the, the price of being single, the price of being married, they both come at a cross. And so the, name, the major thing with when I'm when I'm dealing with decisions, is that I am plugged into God, so I have the Holy Ghost. And what it means is that I then get to go back to the meaning of God's word, and I partake of that and ask God, and there's a process, we'll deal with it on Wednesday. But then in the power of my decision, it then decides the outcome of my life. I then, I then decide, am I willing to fight the battles to go where I need to go to? Because it deals with the pleasure, the pleasure of being in the kingdom of God. And so everything, when you come into the kingdom of God, you've got to make up your mind. And so when you get plugged into the kingdom and going God's way, there are seasons when it's going to be tough decisions. Even Jesus said, if this cup can pass. Because he's, he's in fact, he, the scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went through what he went through because he made a decision. He says, based upon the value of the kingdom, I'm willing to go through what I need to go through because there's a pleasure for, my next, for the next generation and for someone else. So the whole world gets saved because of one man's decision. Can you thank the Lord this morning that you're saved? <laughs> Glory be to God. Because good decisions saves a generation. Our de his descendants, the sons, we're living in a kingdom because of one man's good decision. The, the cross becomes a place of exchange. 
But he had to make a decision. He said, if this cup could pass, nevertheless, not my will. That's the power. I take my will in times of trouble and I put them in the hands of God and say, I don't, my flesh doesn't want to go through this. But because of your will and the purpose of my life and the meaning that I have in you, I'm going to go through it. The year 2000, myself and pastor, he wanted to get a divorce. And the Lord spoke to me, he says, it's in your hands to make that decision. Not in my hands. If you allow me to bring healing, I'm going to use you for relationships. We were willing to stay plugged in and stay connected together. Are you helped because of Pastor Z? I'm just trying to make a point. So here's, here's what's happening for many people. Give me Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, please. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. And I want to show you that you're going to have to go and place God in the center of every decision. If not, have a look at what Romans chapter 20 says. 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his, in, his, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. So Paul is build, building a case for people who don't know God and are living a lifestyle. They, they pretend that, that there's no God. They claim to be atheists. They're going their own way. They made a choice in the valley of decision to go a certain way. So Paul says, for since the creation of the world, his, in, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So you look, at, look at the trees, look at the birds, look at the oceans, and you keep telling me that God doesn't exist. That means they made a choice to remove God from their thinking. God's not part of my decisions. God's not in my life. There's no big deal. There's no afterlife. Paul says... Even his eternal power and God it so that they without excuse. He's now speaking to an unbeliever. He's speaking to people in the world. He says, because although they knew God, here's the deal. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You understand what happened there? Anytime I don't place God in the center of my decision, anytime I'm not plugged into the, into, into the, 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 the kingdom, anytime I don't hold God in the center of my life, I've got to wake up every single day. And number one is, he says, you need to be thankful, and then you need to become, uh, you, you, don't, you need to glorify God. So he says, they did not glorify him, nor were they thankful. So an ungrateful person who doesn't put God in the center of their lives, look at the outcome. It's a choice you make every day. They became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So not only do you become a fool, a fool says there's no God, but now also your thinking becomes darkened. Look at the progress away from God, unplugged from the kingdom of God. It says professing to be wise, now they're clever because now they've got degrees and they can tell you what scientists are saying and no, this doctor told me that and that one says that. But God is not in the center of their decisions. And change the glory, professing to be wise, they became fools. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Now you turn around and you say, here's my image, here's a Buddha, here's my gold, here's my car, I got my things. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You end up worshipping the moon. You end up having to go and, you know, do your own uh, yoga kind of tricks. 
And God's not in the center of what you're doing. Because, you know, man is a God. So listen to the foolish conversations. When you're sitting and walking in the light, you can look at foolish people and say, that's really ridiculous. Therefore God also, now listen how far it goes. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. So not only God's not center, not only is God not in the center of my decisions, and, and I'm dealing with this valley of decision. I'm not consulting God around which way to go. I'm not asking God. I'm not thankful for what is given me. I'm ungrateful. Look where it's gone. God's not in the center of your prayers, not in the center of your life. Now God's out of there. Now you're making decisions based upon you. Now you're unthankful. It gets worse. You now, they now step into a place of uncleanness. Now it's pornography and every perverse thing. And you're making those jokes you never used to make them before. Now you're sitting in a place of where your heart is now turning and your thoughts become foolish because you are a fool. Because a fool says in his heart, there's no God. And you're not saying that public on Facebook, but you're saying it in your heart. And that's a problem. He says, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. You know, there's a place that God will not go to anymore with you. That God says, well, I give you up. I keep on warning you, I keep on saying, don't go this way. I see, stop, stop doing this thing. I'm, I'm, uh, the Holy Ghost is helping you and saying, don't go this direction, make a better decision. Eventually, God says, so far, no more. You have to go by yourself. Because God gives you up to vile passions. For even the women exchange their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving their natural use of, of women burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful, receiving themselves the penalty of error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. I mean, God's got to give it up. You want it so bad? I mean, your will is so strong. It can overrule God's will for your life. The power of your will, you made in the image of Almighty God, you can choose against God's way your whole life. In the valley of decision, especially where people are right now, the jobs and relationships and churches and God, and you must retain God in your heart. You must keep God in the center of your decisions. You've got to make up your mind. And so Romans chapter 1 speaks about the, how people ended up there. You don't take, start off with a baby coming out of the womb and say, I hate God. A baby doesn't start there. Even their first words. They grow that way through decisions that they make. Now hear me, I know that your parents up until the age of 20 at least made decisions for you. But at 20, you've got to be standing back and saying, no, I need to make better decisions for my life. The church is quiet. Hear me, child of God. When you come into the kingdom of God, you are dealing with an agency of exchange. The kingdom of God is an agency of exchange. Even at the cross, the great exchange that took place, you're discovering now that you are in a place that when you enter into the kingdom of God, you get to make choices. And in the choice, you become what God has called you to be. It doesn't happen automatically. Please give me 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. 
He translated you. But now you must take your life. And you've got to, I'm telling you, listen to me, child of God. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. You can find somebody who's saved that's far from the will of God. Because of the choices they make every single day. 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 says, But in a great house, are you in a great house? I want to ask one more time, you in the kingdom of God, are you in a great house? You see, when Jesus died for us to give us this kingdom, he put you into something that he, he could live in. He was proud of. It's not like, you know, the deputy president that is sick in his body, now he's got to go to Russia because the hospitals he built is rubbish. And the service in your own country is rubbish. You don't have the doctors, you don't have the schooling systems that even your children will go to. You don't, you build houses you're never going to live in because you want everything, you'd rather go and live in Dubai because the stuff that you built in your own house is rubbish. The, decision, the decisions you've made, you can't blame apartheid anymore after 27 years. You can't blame your mother and your father when you're 27. It's over, it's over, it's over. You're going to have to make better decisions. You had all the 27 years to build something that is of value. Now you're blaming the world for that. Now you've got to go to other hospitals because what you built is rubbish. I always grew up with a story about this young man that, you know, it, it stuck with me as a young boy that when... Um, this, this guy that came to, as a, as a contractor, came to his boss, the boss that gave him work all the time. You know, he, he, he done such a great, he's a brilliant worker. He done such a great job and, and finally he gets to a place and says, look, I'm actually, I'm tired. I'm going to go tell my boss I'm retiring and I just need to leave, you know. The boss was very sad when he, when he put in his resignation and said, look, I, I said, I'm tired. I, I, I've, I've worked for you for a long time, made you lots of money. And so the boss says, look, I'm, I'm really sad to see you go, but can you build one more house for me? Just one more as, a, as, a, as, you know, as you go. So the guy gets up and says, I don't really want to do this. So he gets up and says, oh, okay, where are the plans? And he goes and he, you know, lays a foundation. It's half skew and the things aren't put straight. And he wakes up in the morning, comes late and goes to bed. And then gets up and says, ah, oh, they're supposed to order the bricks. And I mean, the whole thing and the... He doesn't, he's not even concerned about the straight lines anymore. And this whole thing, all inferior materials, he's ordering and different stuff. And the house is done and he's like, just like, you know, oh, finally. Let me just call the boss. Boss, I want to let you know, here's the keys, we're done. Thank you very much. The boss said, this is my parting gift to you, it's your house. How many people are building their lives with inferior materials and they think someone else is going to live in there? You're going to live in your own house, man. You've got to make better decisions for your life. What are you going to look like when you are 30 and 40 and 50? You've got to make up your mind that the materials that you use to build your life, you want to live in that place. I need a church to clap a better amen in this place. You can't come to 50 and be broke because you built nothing. You see, when you come into the kingdom of God, God's bringing into a place of great exchange. The world's offering you exchange. When you go to a company, it's a promise that you're going to become this kind of title and earn this kind of money and you're going to be debt free. No one goes involved in a system believing that they're going to come out broke. I got involved in a gambling system hoping that one day I'm going to hit the jackpot and I will stop. And even the little that I won, I lost. I never won anything. 
until I plugged out of that system and said I'm going to go with God's way and I'm going to build in the kingdom of God and I'm not going to lose another cent in my life. I need this church to give a bigger shout and an amen. Everybody say good choice, pastor. I made a choice to come in here. I made a choice for this piece of land. I made a choice to serve God. I made a choice to go and walk away from this insurance company to come and build the kingdom of God. I made a choice in the valley of decision. None of the stuff was comfortable. And you keep on blaming God and blaming people. You don't stay together not being tempted to leave. 36 years in marriage. Don't you ever believe the lie that a woman ever came knocking on the door and saying, can we actually get together? I've had that. I mean, your, your pastor's not ugly. Just saying. <laughs> David, young, ruddy, handsome. Yeah, that's me. The power of choices. In a great house, they are not only vessels of gold and silver. God gives you a great house. He plugs you into the kingdom. It's a great house across the globe. But also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So he separates the people that are in the church, in the kingdom. He says there's a separation. There's dishonorable people, there's honorable people. Some are made for honor, some for dishonor. We always said that God's the one that chooses who's going to be honorable and dishonorable. Lies. You have not read verse 21. Read with me. Therefore, if anyone, somebody shout anyone. anyone. Look at your neighbor say that includes you. Because if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. That means God doesn't choose who's honorable. God doesn't choose who's dishonorable. God doesn't choose who's a vessel of gold. God doesn't choose who's a vessel of wood and clay. We decide. He says, I've given you the house. You make up your mind every single day whether you become a vessel of honor for my kingdom or not. You're in a great house. Just because, you know, you got the palace doesn't mean that Prince Andrew is actually going to turn out to be royalty. He's got a name and a title, but all his decisions are perverse. Are you hearing me today? Because God's dealing with people in this valley of decision. You don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I've not tasted that around being divorced. When, I, when God said, make up your mind and you're going in this direction. I made up my mind, I said, let's make a commitment. Let's get into scripture. I want to show you some things. You have the power to choose the outcome of your life. You have the power to choose what you believe. You have the power to go your own way. You have the power to choose what foundations you lay for your life. I want us to go into the book of Ruth, Ruth quickly. Let's start with Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13. Four chapters of a, of a book. And everything is built on the power of decisions. The book is so powerful. If you study, it's, just take some time, four chapters, it's so simple. And every chapter you'll find decisions, 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 decisions. 
some good, some bad. Some for honor, some for dishonor. Poor decisions, good decisions. Ruth chapter 4 verse 13. I want to read you the end of the book of Ruth. So Boaz, we like that. The woman finds, finally, finds her Boaz finally. And she became his wife. And Boaz, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Everybody say pleasure. So there's pleasure in that house. There's pleasure in that house. Here comes the baby. Here comes what God had promised. In fact, God didn't even promise it. Let's just understand it. Then this woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. Everybody say pleasures. And may he be to you a restorer of life, somebody say pleasures, and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, somebody say pleasures, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her bosom, everybody say pleasures, and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor woman gave him a name saying, there's a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, Ram, Abinadab, Abinadab got Nashon, Nashon Salmon, Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. There's the lineage of Christ. Pleasures. There's the lineage of Christ. Pleasures. God takes this thing and puts his kingdom at work. The most powerful book for me around decisions. This book, the Ruth, Ruth is the book on the power of decisions. Now, you see the end of the book. Let's go back to the beginning. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Oh my God. If we had time this morning. Listen to what the scripture says. In the days when the judges ruled. The question is who's ruling on the throne of your heart? Are you judging by the seeing of your natural eyes and ears? You see, many people are missing their destiny because they don't see the value of the kingdom. They judge things looking at the world and saying, well, the world's celebrating and you, you might get a job there and you could get that over there. And, and you go to the world, they're celebrating the world, and yet you see the world's in trouble. And people are making decisions based upon what they see with their natural eyes and ears. Not consulting God. There's a problem when a judge rules a nation. Because what's the outcome? In, now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Every time you're judging by the seeing of your natural eyes and ears and you're judging that way, you end up in a place of famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem, so Bethlehem is a place of bread. They walk away being plugged into the system. His name is uh, uh, the Beth a, man, a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So God said, number one, don't ever get involved with the Moabites because they've been a, a, a problem for the Israelites. Don't you marry them, don't you get connected to them. This man unplugs from the house of bread and he takes his family with him. Because decisions are private, but it affects your descendants. He goes and he plugs out and he plugs into a new system. 
a, the, the Moabite system in, in Moab. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The names of the two sons were Malon and Shilon, Euphrates of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. That is, I mean, my, and remained there. I mean, if you made a poor decision, don't remain there. I have a word for somebody this morning. If you made a poor decision, get up from that poor decision. Don't remain there. Come on, type it out there. Don't you remain there. Don't let the enemy say it's over. No, God is a God of another chance. While you are in time, if you made a poor decision yesterday, you can make a better decision today to change your tomorrow. Don't be like a stubborn man that cannot repent and turn around. Don't be like, don't be like Elimelech. Elimelech could not go back and say, actually, I mean, he just says, let's just pretend like we're in the will of God. You plugged out of the house of bread. You plugged out of the place where they're feeding you the food and the word of God. I am telling you the word of God can sustain you. I am telling you in the midst of a famine, I am telling you God, even though they be poor rulers and they're making poor decisions over the nations, I am telling you today that God can still make sure that he sustains you in the, in the wilderness. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Somebody shout, yes, he can. He can send you water from a flinty rock. He can change your life. The deal is not... Can God feed us? The question is, are you in the center of God's will? Are you still going with God? Are your decisions based upon the fact that God is removed from the center of your decisions and you're just choosing whichever way you decide that you judge with your natural eyes? Listen to me, man of God. Things aren't greener on the other side. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Now it gets worse because he remains there. Now they took two wives of the woman of Moab. Look how far God's removed. Deuteronomy tells you that you were not supposed to marry these people. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Mylon and Shilon also died. And so the woman survived. Her two sons and her husband. Plugged out. No bread. No revelation. Plugged out from that system. Plugs into a different system. Decision of one man. So she wakes up one morning and she says, look. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. I am telling you, God will always visit you in the midst of a famine. God will always take care of you in the center of his will. A bit of shouting and amen. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to your, her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you, your people. 
Naomi's standing in a place. She makes a good decision. She says, I'm getting out of this mess. This man's decisions has affected my life. She plugs out from the system and decides to go in the direction of God. The place of bread. The place of revelation. And so Naomi, Naomi goes and kisses them. And she says, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that, I may be your, that they may be your husbands? Turn back. My daughters go. For I'm too old to have a husband if I should have. And if I should say I have hope. If I should have a husband tonight and also bear two sons. Would you wait for them until they are grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Opa, look at the decisions. Dad makes the decision that affects the whole family. You don't know what the next 10 years will look like. You don't, you're trying to create a new future by the decisions you make. You don't know. I've watched the hand and the, the grace of God lift off a family. Because of the disconnect. She makes a decision to go back. Her daughters-in-law now need to make a decision themselves. Because that's the God you serve. God's not forcing himself on anybody. You can do whatever you want to do. You're just not in charge of the consequences of your life. And so these daughters have to make a decision too. Because it's personal. Everybody must make up their mind of how they're going to live. You're in a great house and you can discern or you can decide that you're going to become a person of honor. It can be. And so they lifted their voices and wept again and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Two choices. Oprah says, I'm going left. Ruth says, not me. She says, I'm going to get plugged into the place where there's bread. I'm going to go. So listen to what I'm saying to you today. Naomi is a type of the Holy Spirit leading you. And the Holy Spirit will always lead you back to the place of where the word of God is. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Are you hearing me? She's sitting, she doesn't know the fullness of this thing. But she knows there's something that Naomi did for her. That she says, I'm going to go with this woman. I don't know the fullness of it, but this woman, she's been honorable. She's been, I, I, she, she must have experienced some things with her mother-in-law and experiencing the way she does life and in the midst of humility, in the midst of challenge, how she responded with her value system. And when she could and was in her power to do it, she made a decision, she says, I'm going back home. Ruth, you know, there are people that will kiss you. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. There are people that I watch you, that in your season, you've only come for what is good for you. But when the valley season comes, in the valley of decision, you're good to kiss and say goodbye. No, no, no. God will allow valley seasons because you can find out who's actually on your team and who is with you. That's a good word for somebody right now. Because you just want the abundance. God allows the famine so you can find out where the people's hearts and their commitments are. God in a valley time will come and he will show you where the real problem is. So she, she turns around and she says, no, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, who's she, who's she speaking to? She's speaking to the Holy Ghost. 
You are speaking to the Holy Ghost. You are speaking to the Spirit of the Lord. When the Holy Ghost gives you an option, you say, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. Holy Ghost, wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. I don't fully get it right now, but because I am led by you, I'm going to sit still in the courts. Even though my flesh says, go and beg, go and borrow, go and make a plan, you're going to say, no, Holy ghost. If you said no, it's no. If you said yes, it's yes. She says, I'm going to cling to you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, oh my God, prosperity is a place. You need the right plan. You need the right people. You need the right place. The husband plugs out from the plan of God, the people of God, and the place of God. She goes, she's going back to the plan of God. This girl says, I'm going to join in with your people. I'm going to be connected. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more, and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. Man. The decision of Ruth. She wasn't supposed to be a part of the plan. Come on, walk with me. You weren't supposed to be a part of the plan. You were Muslim, Pastor Z. You were not supposed to be part of the plan. But God pulled you out from a place. And God is pulling people out of a place. God is unplugging you from systems. And God is bringing you back into the place, the people, and the plan of God. If anybody has been plugged in, shout a good amen. When she saw she was determined to go, she stopped speaking to her. That's how it can be with God or without God. You can, God will stop speaking to you. If you want it so badly. The Bible speaks about the people in the wilderness, how they went and they, they, they yearned and they longed for things. And God says, he gave them the desire, but sent leanness into their souls. God will give you what you want, even if you don't want to be with him. I mean, what's more fair? You want freedom from God? You can have it. C.S. Lewis says that. She pressed a power button. We preach on Ruth. How many remembers Opa? A nobody. Now let's understand this. Stop looking at the baby in chapter 4. Look at chapter 1 and the decisions of a man. Then look at the decisions of a woman. Then look at the decision of Ruth. And watch the power of commitment. I want somebody to know today. If you're in a valley of decision, the number one commitment you've got to make is to the Holy Spirit. Because he's never going to lead you away from the will of God. Never. Never. You know, you, we all need resources. We're all looking to reach goals and, you know, this is my vision. And I'm, I'm, I'd like to see those people that put out their five-year vision five years ago. Let me, let me find out how it's working out for you. Nobody saw COVID coming. 
But here's the deal. When you're in a valley of decision, here's the number one rule for you. It's called the power of commitment. Commitment should always precede resources. When a leader or a person demonstrates a commitment to the mission and going God's way, resources will always follow. After Ruth made a commitment, she did not know that her commitment would lead to all kinds of open doors. The problem with most people is that they're stuck with poor decisions and have not turned. You want to turn around? You must turn. Let me just speak about the fruit of a committed life. She's in the valley of decision. She makes a good decision. She follows the Holy Spirit. Ruth, number one, finds work during a difficult time. Number two, she makes friends. She gets committed because of a commitment. She makes friends in a foreign land. Number three, she gains a new husband. Number four, God includes her, a Moabite, that God said, I curse these people. Don't you touch them. A woman that should never have been a part of the deal. God takes her and God makes, includes her in his plan because of a commitment to go God's way. When you are plugged into the kingdom of God, everything changes. Doors open. God will bless you. He's not unjust to forget your labor of love. God includes a, a Moabite adopted into the family of Israel, into the lineage of Christ. Number five, her, her child she bore became part of the lineage of the Messiah. Ruth teaches us that when we focus on doing right, when we get plugged into the kingdom, God will bless the fruit of our hands. Amen. Our labors. Come on, somebody. God's going to bless you. you you see, when you get into the center of God's will and you are connected to God and you go after meaning and reason and purpose and you get up every single day and you hit that power button, you make a decision, you make a choice every single day, the pleasures are coming. Amen. That's how it works in the kingdom. Is somebody hearing me this morning? What's the key? The key is commitment. The key is commitment. So we lost the building, the year 2011, I think it was. Massive building. We just hosted Dr. Miles Monroe, and uh, we lost the building. And I, I, at the same time, I'm saying, God, do I go to the Bahamas still? And, and, and Chicago, I'm busy training and doing development as leaders in the Bahamas and for finances in, in Chicago. It's my first trip overseas. And the Lord says, I want you to go. The people in the church get mad at me. They're going to say, like, you know, pastor, the church is gone. He's flying over, all over the world. I had to make a decision. I put God in the center of my decision. I said, like, God, what must I do? He says, I ordered this. You must go. I don't get it. I don't understand it. We've just lost the building. Our things have been put out. We're having services in the street. Honestly, it was. In the parking lot. And I'm like, God, what do I do? Now I'm dealing with me and the call of God because I was so full of faith. When we hosted Dr. Miles, we shut the city down. Now I'm in an embarrassment. There's shame everywhere. And I'm like, God, what do I do? I hop onto the plane, and while I'm on the plane, of course, you can't go anywhere. And the tears, as I'm just sitting there and watching, the tears are just streaming. Because I'm thinking, how am I ever going to come back to the church? I'm not a leader anymore. We've lost the church. We've lost everything. 
And as I'm sitting there and weeping and at times like uncontrollably, the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to make a fresh commitment to me to build the church. I said, I can't do that. Can't do that. He says, I want you to make a fresh commitment to me. I said, I can't do it, Lord. I'm, my mind's on going back to work, writing software, developing my life. Let's just quit. I tried it. Never worked out. The Lord says, I want you to make a commitment to me to build my church. I finally went, I said, I make a commitment to you again. Somebody needs to hear me today. I make a commitment to my wife every year when we go away to build. It's not the vows of 20, 36 years ago. It's a commitment every single day to her, to the kingdom, every single season. Because I'm not waiting for trouble to decide. You see, if this thing's coming, I told you I want a divorce. No, 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 no. We sit in a place and we make a commitment and a vow to God every time we get away. Why? Because trouble's coming, man. And you don't decide in trouble times which way you're going to go. So in my valley, and my valley times, I'm sitting with God, and I said, okay, I make a commitment to go. When I made a commitment, everything changed. I'm sitting in a, in a training room, never met Dr. Winston, Dr. Winston before. Dr. Dolores comes and he says, come here, Dr. Winston wants to see you. I'm like, me for what? Sitting there, three minutes, I'm meeting this man. I don't even know what to say. I said, Lord, what do I tell this man? He said, sow some seed and just tell him that he needs to pray. There's trouble in your church. I said, let him pray for you. Who opened that door? Let me show you where it comes from. Let me show you where it comes from. Holy Ghost. Let me explain this to you quickly. Until you make a commitment, a hesitancy lingers. God just suspends everything. God is waiting for somebody to make a decision and a commitment to him. But when the moment the leader or you definitely commit, then God moves and a whole stream of events begin to flow. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which no one could have ever dreamed of, begin to occur. And it all starts to happen the moment you make a firm commitment. In the value of decision, I'm not waiting for the devil to come and tell me, you know, you know now's a good time to divorce your wife or now's a good time to walk away from this and, and, and I was just waiting for trouble. No, 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 no. I don't do that. You can't live that way. The reason why some people, are, you know, let me even speak about tithing. You, you, you can't tithe. You can't afford to tithe until you begin to make a commitment to tithe. Then God opens doors. God's kingdom doesn't work that way. I wait for people, even in my ministry, even in the staff, you give me a fresh commitment this year that this is what we should be doing. The reason why some of you are not experiencing the glory and the pleasure of God is because you lack a commitment. Commitment to the house, commitment to God, commitment to, you've you got to make a decision. I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Why should God increase your business in any way? You've got no commitment to him. 
You want the pleasures of the kingdom. You've given him no commitment. I hope this message is helping somebody this morning. Verse 19, Ruth chapter 1. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem, the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to him, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Don't let the devil go and mess with your life in such a way that when God, you know, when people have the anointing and they're so strong and they hear and they're doing, and then they move off and you find how empty it is. Don't let the devil play your whole life coming in full and then, you know, coming in empty, then you get full, then you go out. I mean, the world's going to offer you nothing, man. I went out full and the Lord brought me home empty again. Why do you call, my, call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Now Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Right into the blessing of the Lord. Come on somebody, I'm speaking to somebody that has been struggling to make a turn. I am telling you, if you make a decision today to the Lord, you can even make a vow to him, you can be broke and say, Father, when you bless me with this business, I'm going to give 10%, I'm going to follow after you, I'm going to bless you. Come on somebody, you made a mistake, don't stay in Moab. That's the word from the Lord. Don't stay in a system outside of my will. It's not God's will that you perish. Come on, get plugged out of Moab. Come back to the house of bread. Come back to the place of revelation. Come back to be connected to the people of God. Come back to the plan of God. Come back to the place of God. I need a shout and an amen in this church. Make a vow before the Lord this morning. I need to end. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 9. It gets really powerful. I, I preached on Ruth chapter 4 around the pleasures. I preached on, on the connection. In Ruth chapter 1, I preached upon the decisions that this man made. This woman decides to get plugged in. And the Holy Spirit's part of her decisions. Listen how powerful it gets. She never went looking for Boaz. She went looking for meaning. Ruth chapter 2 verse 9, and then we've got to end. And her mother-in-law said to her, that's the type of the Holy Ghost. Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? That means I put you in a certain field. And I, I've called you to go, and be, to, to go and reap from a certain place. Are you listening to me, Ruth? You can't be everywhere. You can't be at this job, that job, then you this, then you that. Can you get into the field that God has got for you? Because if you, are, if you keep looking for a man and following after a man, you get yourself into trouble. But if you get into purpose, I need a woman to shout a good amen this morning. God is speaking. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. Oh my God. She didn't go dress up for a man to take notice of her. She got into the place of meaning and purpose. And that's where God got a man to take notice of her. You need to understand, man don't come first. Purpose comes first. And when you're in the field and meaning, there's a man that's going to look down and say, that's my wife. Come on, somebody. Let's get a bit of shout in an amen. Stop teaching your daughters to dress up so they can look good for people. Teach them purpose. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, 
and, they, and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Woman of God, God will make sure you get noticed if you get plugged in on purpose. If you're connected to the right people, the right place, and the right plan, you are coming into your destiny and into your purpose. Because God's purpose is to bring out your purpose and your value in the kingdom. And when people see what you can produce and that you are willing to go, Naomi being the type of the Holy Spirit will always lead you. He will teach you to profit and lead you by the way that you should go. He's never going to lead you astray. He's only got one mission, is to draw out from you what God placed in you and to show you who you really are. Bringing forth for the kingdom. Child of God, can I have the worship team up, please? Joel chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. You are in charge of your decision. You, of course, this is my arm, and I can give, and I can do whatever. Okay, we agree with you. You must ask yourself, are you okay to live with the consequences? Because you're not in charge of that. You're not in charge of your consequences. You've got to make up your mind on how you're going to live and what you're going to do. You've got to make up your mind and make decisions every single day. Because the house that you are building is your own house. You are in a great house. The kingdom, greatness comes from God, not from the world. What are you going to do with your decisions? You make up decisions like, I'm going to be with that boy, I'm going to be with that girl, I'm going to go here, and, and you have a judge ruling over your heart. And anytime you're judging with your natural eyes and ears, you end up in poverty and in famine. You leave full, but you'll come back empty. You are in the valley of decision for many people. The valley of decision. A holy moment before the Lord. A holy moment before the Lord. Please don't you stand to your feet. Please don't you lift your hands where you are. Everybody wants the pleasures. It's in a commitment to the Lord. Somebody needs to lift their hands and make a fresh commitment to God. I want your way to be my way. I'm going to go your way, Lord. My flesh is screaming one thing, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Nothing else. I'm going to place you in the center of my decisions. Nothing else will do. In the center, God. In the center, in the center, in the center. In the center, God. Hands are lifted everywhere. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. I make a commitment to you, Lord. I'm going your way. I'm going your way. Listen to me, child of God. We can have communion together, and you're going to make a commitment to the Lord. You don't have to. It's your choice. But listen to this apostle. Your life 
moves at the speed of your decisions. Your life moves at the speed of your decisions. Why stay in Moab forever until you die? Why not make a better decision today and come after God? Get into His plan. Get into His purpose. Get into His power. And make power decisions for your life. Your life moves at the speed of your decisions. I could have stayed a gambler, man. I could have stayed at Hollard, man. I could have stayed wherever and become and just say, I'm going my way. I, I had a choice. You have a choice to make this morning. Are you going to repent and say, what does repentance mean? It's to turn. Ezekiel says, I wish that nobody did, dies. God says, it's not, it's, it's, I, I find, I rejoice in nobody dying. But if people can turn, that you would make a turn. Are you hearing the urgency? There's a turnaround coming and there's favor and all that is there. But do you understand that you are central to that decision? Whether you find barley in Bethlehem or die in Moab. God's favor is on his plan. You don't have to ask God to bless you. How about you just submit to the Holy Spirit and find your work in the purposes of God? Do you know that? Let me, let me, let me give you one thing. Let me say this to you. Any decision that you make without the Holy Spirit is an inferior one. Every decision that you make without the Holy Ghost is an inferior one. And if the Holy Ghost has not told you to go and serve somewhere, you know that you're outside of the will of God. Because He's directing you every single step of the way. Remember Paul? We'll get to it another day. When Paul had an encounter on the road of Damascus, the light shone and he heard a voice. When he got up from there, he says, what shall I do? Because their encounter leads you down a certain way. You follow an instruction after an encounter. You can't say you had a God encounter and stay the same. When God, when a real God encounter happens, you get up with a fresh instruction. What's the Holy Ghost telling you this morning? What's the Spirit of God telling you this morning? God will not leave you. If, if you had a real encounter, you will find out straight after that, here's what I want you to do. Get up from here, go back to the house. Paul, go down to a, 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 a street called Straight. I'll give you instruction. Because the encounter leads you to obedience. God is speaking to his people. Father, we pray for any, everybody in this valley of decision that the Holy Spirit will be central to all our decisions. We just want you, we make a commitment to hear your voice. We surrender, I need everybody under the sound of my voice. Make a fresh commitment to the Lord this morning that you're gonna hear him, that you're gonna follow him. He can sustain you in a desert. He can keep you in a valley. He can strengthen you when you are weak, plugged into the plan and purposes of God. Today, you're gonna make a turn for the kingdom of God. Say, Lord, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. Forgive me about why, how I made this about pleasures and things. 
I make a commitment today to follow after you in the name of Jesus. Father, bless your people and strengthen them. For anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to make a decision today to follow after him. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Follow Jesus and he will make you. I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Christ is our life. He doesn't give you life. He is your life. Lift your hands. Lord, I make a fresh commitment to you today to follow after your will, to follow after your plan, to be connected to your people, and to follow where you're leading me into purpose and into the prosperity that you promise. I bless you today. We receive that today in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen and Amen. We're going to receive an offering and we're going to have communion. If everybody can have online, please. Let's have communion together as a family. Thank you, Jesus. That is a tough message to preach. Start seeing the value in the house of God, man. Because God built it with Christ, superior's name, and the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And who's he put in there? People with no inferior materials. That's you. You are valuable to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Let's break bread together as a family. This is Christ's commitment to us. That whatever you need is found in Him. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed, He took bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's made a commitment to you. Make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Receive. still struggling to open it up in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in, remem- in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes please don't be a hero only your healing your wholeness is all found in the body of Christ your forgiveness receive it so you can get up in new life. It's a choice you make. Receive. Father, we bless your people today. We thank you, my God, that there is an anointing to break every sickness, disease, germ, virus, fear. We are hidden from the scourge of the enemy. That which is yours is protected. You are keeping and guiding and guarding your people. Bless them, bless marriages. Help every son and every daughter to make good decisions today. We're coming back to you. 
back to your house, back to the Word of God. And Lord, not judging by the seeing of our natural eyes and ears, but being governed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for health and healing and wholeness. That your people are healed in Jesus' name. Bless your people, even in their giving. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We're receiving an offering. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Let's please put that up. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, just do it. God knows how to sustain you. God knows how to take care of you. It is a season of tremendous favor, but it's in a place with a people, and it is your obedience that you're going to honor God with your money, your increase. Whatever he increased you with, honor the Lord. Honor, 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 honor God with your increase so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Father, bless your people in their giving. They've been so faithful. Sons and daughters giving, sharing across the globe that we're able to do what we can do. Thank you, Father, for their lives. Thank you for the good decisions they make every day for finances, for their family, for their fitness, for their health, for their future. Help us to make good decisions. In the name of Jesus, strengthen us on every side. Amen and amen. Let's receive an offering. given his angels charge over you. You are favored of the Lord. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You are plugged into God. You are plugged into his kingdom. The power of his kingdom is at work inside of you. No weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. You are preserved and you are protected. We bless you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Thank the Lord for the blood this morning. What can wash? Favor. God bless you in Jesus' name.